Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, good morning, man. We are excited to be here today. Man, how many guys appreciate our worship team? Amen. They just did a great job. We... Love them. And so, man, we're going to jump straight into what we got for you today because um, we, number one, the pastor has been going long every week and he's got to stop that. So that's me, by the way. So, uh, but man, we want to jump straight into what we have for you today. And so if you want to take out your notes, you can take those out. If you want to take out your Bible, take that out. The notes, stuff will be popping up on the screen. But man, we want to jump into Dream Again Part 2. And today is all about discovering your Why? Why is it that God wants you to dream? What is it that he wants you to have? And so if you were with us last week, we kicked off our very first uh, part of the series where we talked about everyone's dream is either dead, dormant, or determined. So either what God has breathed into you is dead and you've given up on it, it's dormant, you know it's still something God wants to do, but it's just sitting still and you're not doing anything with it, or you're in this place of determination where you're going after it and what God has put in you, you're not going to let anything stop you. And, and I believe that those who had a dead dream, we're going to move you to determine. If it's been dormant, we want to move you to determine because this year we want you to dream again. So turn to your neighbor and say, dream again. Now, that was pretty weak. I'm not going to lie to you. Turn the persons on the other side of you. You just neglected and say, dream again. That's the 1030 service, man. Y'all should be popping. All right. So, and we started with the story of Joseph and to catch you up, Joseph was his father's favorite son. He was the youngest son. His father gives him this coat of many colors, right? So he flaunts it in front of everybody. His drip was different. All right. So he's rocking his coat in front of his brothers. His brothers get mad. They connive against him. They throw him in a pit. And then they throw him into, and then they sell him into slavery. All right, and that catches us up where we're at today, and we're really preaching through the whole story of Joseph uh, in this series, right? Now, there's this other story of Jim Elliot. If you don't know who Jim Elliot is, he's a he was a uh, a seminary student where him and a few of his friends decided they were going to go reach this very violent tribe on an island with the gospel. And so they were known to be violent. They spoke a different language, so they learned the language. They fly over. And long story short, Jim and his buddies all end up getting killed by the tribe. But before they do, they interact with them and they tell them about Jesus. Now, after they have their lives taken, Jim's wife, or Jim's wife Elizabeth, his kids, and their families, they all go to that tribe Again, So after they've been killed, they go to the tribe and, and they bring to them the, the message of Jesus and the gospel and how there's an eternity that waits for all of us. And if your eternity is in Jesus, then you have hope. And as they did that, uh, the, long story short, the whole tribe, uh, or the majority of the tribe ends up giving their life to Jesus, right? They put their faith in him. And the question I have for you is, did Jim fail at his dream or was he successful? Now, many of us would look at it from a worldly standpoint and say he lost his life, but I would say he accomplished his dream. And for us, we have to connect what our dream is with why we've been given it. And that's what we want to do today through the story of Joseph. Connect the what. What is your dream? Maybe it's to start a business. Maybe it's to start a family. Maybe it's to have children. Maybe it's to be an entrepreneur. Maybe it's to, to make a gajillion dollars. If you do, please tithe. I'd appreciate it. All right, so... 
whatever it is, like what is your dream? And whatever your dream is, connect what the dream is to why God has given it to you. And we want to do that today. All right, guys. And so the reason why is because your dream is tied. When your dream is tied to something bigger than you, you'll fight harder for it. When your dream is tied to something bigger than you, you'll fight harder for it, right? So let's go to Genesis 39 and pick up in our story, okay? So the Lord was with Joseph, right? So Joseph gets sold into slavery, and now he's at Potiphar's house, which is a ruler in Egypt, right? The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Say prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master, When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Now, I want you to pause there for a second. Because Joseph was sold into slavery, put in Potiphar's home. And in the midst of being sold into slavery, he was still prosperous and successful in the midst of being a slave. I want you to think about it for a second. God can prosper you and move you and grow you and bless you, even if you haven't got to where he's promised you you're going. And too many of us are waiting for the end result before we start to praise him in the current moment. But listen to me, in your job that you hate, surrounded by the coworkers you don't like, Working for the boss that annoys you and makes every wrong decision, God can still bless you there. Stop waiting to be the boss, serve the boss, and watch how God can bless you more than the boss. So, Joseph found favor. Say that word, say that word favor. He found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. I want you to grab a hold of this small truth as we kick this off today. You will prosper where you're planted if you'll worship while you're waiting. I said you'll prosper where you're planted if you'll worship while you're waiting. See, some of you are thinking that God's goodness is contingent upon his blessing. But God's blessing is contingent upon your ability to worship in his goodness. Okay, listen. Too many of us are waiting for God's ultimate blessing before we give him the praise, before we give him worship, before we speak out of our mouth the goodness of God. But we should be declaring the goodness out uh, out of our mouth of God, not for what he's going to do, but for what he's already done. Jesus at the cross was all the blessing we needed to declare God's goodness in our life. And so if we will continue to declare and speak and worship, if we will become prosperous, we'll become blessed where we're planted, even in the job that you don't like, surrounded by the people, God can do that for you if you'll give God something he needs to have even when you haven't gotten to where you want to be yet. Why? Because it puts our attention on God. Listen, it puts our attention on God. And so we put all of our affection on him. So we go back to Genesis 39. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Man had drip. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. This scandalous heifer. <laughs> so he looks good and she says, Hey, boy, come here. He says, 
No. I'm, listen, no. In verse 8, he says this in verse 8. No one is greater in this house than I am. This is Joseph talking. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing? To Potiphar? No. It's in sin against God. You see, far too many of us, because, you see, Joseph was put in the pit, then he was sold into slavery, and now he has to serve somebody else. And far too many of us, if we were honest, have said that we have sinned against God because we were bitter that he didn't promote us at the speed we thought he should have. Okay, so listen, what many of us have done is we have looked at God and said, well, you didn't come through the way I thought you were going to come through, so I might as well go ahead and... Well, God, you, did, uh, you didn't fix it the way I thought you were going to fix it. I'm just going to go ahead and go to the club tonight. I'm going to find somebody to hook up with. I'm going to slide into so-and-so's DMs because you didn't do what I thought you were going to do at the rate and the speed and the way that I thought you should have done it. And since you didn't, I'm just going to go ahead and... And listen, all of us have messed up right there. But Joseph stays faithful. He says, I'm not going to sin against God. Think about this for a second. If Joseph's only dream, right, his dream was that his brother's uh, grain bundles would bow before his, that the other stars would bow before him. If that was his dream and he was only concentrating on that dream, that could have happened serving in Potiphar's house. He could have reached the dream where he was, but he realized there was something bigger than the dream that he needed and it wasn't going to happen here. It was going to have to happen somewhere else. Hear me today. Just because you can accomplish what your dream is now doesn't mean you should be accomplishing why you need to have it now. That'll make more sense in a second. See, we have to connect what our dream is to why we have it. See, it's not just accomplishing it. It's getting somewhere with it. Here's what I want you to understand. This is the why, all right? Everyone say why. This is why you have your dream. Your dream exists so that God would be glorified with your life. Your dream exists so that God would be glorified with your life. You see, God is concerned and consumed with him getting glory out of your life. So we have to connect these two. Anything you have to do, listen, anything that you have to do that takes away from that, isn't part of your dream, it's detrimental to your dream. Anything you have to do that robs God of the glory of your dream isn't part of your dream, it's going to be detrimental to you accomplishing your dream. God should get every bit of glory out of your life. That's why we see so many people, listen, if God blesses you with something, if God gives you that house, if he gives you that car, if he gives you that job, if he gives you that degree, if he gives you that family, if he gives you what you're praying for, if you accomplish the dream, if you reach everything that you've set out to reach and accomplish, if you do all of those things, but because you got the dream, you stopped going to the person or the one that gave you the dream, you've now destroyed everything about that dream. You see, this is what happens to too many people. We get the promotion and we go after the job, right? And so we've been looking for this job. We've been praying for this job. We go after the job. Now that we finally got the job, we start to neglect the one that gave us the job. 
Because a promotion comes up, they say, listen, you can, ha- you can have a management position. Now, the management position was never part of the dream. The job was the dream, but now there's an opportunity within the dream to pursue your own dream. And you say, you know, I don't need to be at church every Sunday. I don't need to be in small groups. I'm good by myself. Listen, there is no one that has ever been good by themselves. You know what? I don't need to... I don't need to serve. I don't need to be in small groups. I don't need to go to church. Once a month will do. Once every other month will do. And the very thing you went after becomes the very thing that destroys you. Why? Because we're looking for goodness but not godliness. And so what we have to do is surrender this dream. We know people right now who have prayed and prayed and prayed that God would give them children. And then God finally gives them a beautiful little girl. And then they fall in love with the girl so much they neglect the God that gave them the girl. For some of you who have been chasing a spouse and chasing the spouse and chasing a spouse, you've been trying to get married, trying to get married, and you're stepping into this dating life. And the more you step in this dating life, you're pursuing the man or the woman, and you're not pursuing the God that can only bring you the right man or woman. Listen, you need to be finding the right one God has for you, not just anyone that'll lay down with you. That's not even my notes. That was for free. All right, so, but here's what happens, right? We, we step into sin. Anybody ever heard the phrase like, I fell into sin? Anyone ever heard? You grew up in church. Man, so-and-so fell into sin. No, he didn't. He cannonballed into that junk. Listen, Nobody falls accidentally into sin, right? We wake up and we make the choice that takes us. Our mind goes to that place that robs us from where we should be with God. Listen, we don't fall into it. We step into it. And when we step into it, we start pursuing the things that God never wanted us to have so that we can accomplish something that God never wanted us to accomplish. Have your dream, but don't replace God with your dream. The only reason you have the dream is that God would be glorified in your dream. So dream again, but dream that God would be there. Listen, we all know somebody that has blown it and messed up and then try to tell us that that wasn't the real them that did that. Anybody ever heard the phrase like, but you, if you just knew my heart. Listen, the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. We know your heart. It's the same as all of our hearts, which is not towards God. So listen, we all know somebody who has blown it and messed up and said, listen, that's not the real me. That is the real you. We ha- I have a phrase we toss around every now and then where I say people are only honest if they're drunk or sarcastic. Because the real us, we don't let it come out until it accidentally comes out. And what happens is when someone finally blows it and they mess up, why are they sorry that they messed up? Are they sorry because they grieved the heart of God? Or are they sorry because they got caught? If people did you wrong, are they sorry they got caught doing you wrong and it's changed how you see them? Or are they sorry because it changed how they think God sees them? 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this, godly sorrow brings repentance. It means godly sorrow causes us to turn away from those things that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. The New Living Translation says it like this, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. You want to keep your dream alive? 
Keep your heart right towards God. Never mind man. We got, I had a guy call me uh, the other day. No, it's been a couple months now. He said, I need to meet with you. And I said, all right. So I went to lunch with him. He said, listen, I blew it, man. He said, I've been working so hard to just display Jesus correctly and, and live this life and be this new creation. And, and he said, I, I just blew it. I snapped. I came home. The kids were acting buck wild. My wife was yelling at me. I tripped over the dog and stubbed my toe on the couch, you know, and that'll really test your salvation. You catch that pinky toe on the end table. And anyway, so he's like, man, all the, and he said, finally, I just snapped. I started cussing. I ran in the backyard. I was yelling. I was, I was just angry. And I was like, man, it sounds like you need a chill pill, you know. So, and so we were talking. He said, he said, I just feel like I blew it. I feel like I let myself down, and I feel like I let God down. And I feel like i got to start all over again because I messed up. And I said, that's interesting. I said, I said, you used to be a real angry person. He said, yeah. I said, what, how did you used to feel when you used to get angry? He said, man, I felt great. I would, like, I'd fight somebody just to fight somebody. It felt good to just get my anger out. I said, okay. How did you feel this time when you lost it? He said, I felt terrible. I feel like everything I worked so hard for, uh, with my new life with Jesus, I got to start over again. I said, brother, you are brand new. Listen, the evidence of God in your life isn't that you don't mess up. It's how you feel when you do mess up. See, the old person loved what you used to get into, but this new person hates when sin comes back into our life. Can I go ahead and tell you a secret? It's coming for all of us, right? You pull up at Krispy Kreme and the hot now sign ain't on. Anger rises up in our hearts. But y'all know what I'm talking about, right? That, listen, life can throw us stuff that makes us sin, right? It causes us, it causes anger, bitterness, whatever. Listen, there are things coming, but the identity in Christ isn't identified in perfection. It's identified in where your heart is when you're not perfect. And that's when we know God is doing something in our life. Is there repentance in the sorrow or just a confession? I'm sorry because I got caught, or God, I'm sorry that I grieved your heart. Genesis 39:10. And though she spoke, to, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Listen, Joseph didn't just avoid sleeping with her, he avoided being in the same room as her. Some of you need to stop testing the limits of sin in your life. You don't just need to avoid sin. You need to avoid the opportunities to sin. Billy Graham, uh, if you, some of you have been in the Christian world long enough, you remember when there was a number of pastors getting caught up in scandals and sex scandals and all of these things. And, and as that was happening, right, the, I think it was Barbara Walters, one of them sat down to interview Billy Graham. She said, how come you haven't gotten caught in any, any of these scandals? He said, oh, that's easy. I don't trust myself. And she said, what do you mean? He said, I don't ever give myself an opportunity to be in that kind of scandal because I don't ever open up the door for me to have to make a decision in the moment of whether or not I'm going to. He said, when I travel, my wife travels with me. And if my wife's not traveling with me, a man from my church travels with me. And if a man from my church can't travel with me, then a man from their church picks me up from the airport, brings me to my hotel, and stays in the room next to mine so that they can attest to what I can and cannot do. And they know if anyone shows up at my door that they answer my door, not me, and they send them away. 
You see, he knew, I'm not going to test whether or not I'm strong enough not to sin. I know I'm not strong enough not to sin, so I'm not going to give myself the opportunity to sin. And for some of us, we need to start pursuing godliness and not just goodness. You see, if you're trusting your self-determination, you may lose your dream. If you're trusting your self-determination to make the right choice every time, you may lose your dream. So what happens? Man, we find ourselves in that place. That's why we need to be so close to God. That's why it's important that we pray. And we need to rest in who we are in God, but we got to be close to God to do that. That's why I want to invite you to join us for 21 days of prayer and fasting. It starts today. And join us for prayer and fasting. You can find out all the resources about our 21 days of prayer online at mytc.life. You can go there on your smartphone. But listen, I want to invite you to join us as we seek God for 21 days and get closer to him. Because how many know we could all be closer to him? And so we're going to seek God's face. But he didn't just avoid sin. He avoided the appearance or the opportunity to sin. And so not because of what men would say, but because of what God would say. Genesis 39, 11 through 12, we pick back up in the story. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hands. In other words, she grabbed his jacket, his cloak, said, come. So he just snuck out of the cloak and took off and ran out of the house. And so what happens is she reaches out and she accuses him of rape in verse 14. He gets thrown into prison in verse 20. And so now he's been put in the pit, sold into slavery, put in a Potiphar's house, accused of rape, and thrown into prison. He ain't done nothing but wear his jacket his daddy gave him. That sounds kind of like some of our lives sometimes. Like, man, I feel like everything is going wrong, and I don't feel like I did anything to deserve this. But here's one thing I want you to see. You see, his dad gave him this coat of many colors, and he was rocking that bad boy. Then when he got to Potiphar's house, he was given a coat, a cloak, And in those times, the cloak always identified you as something. And so you may have a nicer cloak if it meant you were more prestigious. And so when his dad gave him the coat of many colors, see, uh, his God gave him a dream that he was going to do this. But as long as he was his dad's favorite here, he could never get to God's dream here. And so his brothers took the coat of many colors from him. Then he gets to Potiphar's house. He's in slavery, but he's still rocking pretty good in Potiphar's house, right? So he's got this cloak. Well, then Potiphar's wife grabs his cloak. And so he has to get out of that. And hear me for a second. Every time Joseph started to have it good enough that he would settle, he had his coat removed from him. Think about this for a second. God will not let you identify with the world's blessings more than his dream in your life. The minute you start to settle, the minute you start to identify yourself more with what the world has for you than what God has for you, he'll let that get ripped away from you. Just like his coat, just like his cloak. The more you want what the world can give you, the more you start to identify, the more you start to say, I am this because the world tells me I'm this, the more God will remove that out of your life until you realize you are only what God says you are. All the good, all the bad, all the ugly that your life holds, when God says you're good, you're good. You don't have to prove anything to the world and you don't have to build your identity around what the world can give you. 
Genesis 39, verse 20 and 23. So he's in prison. But while Joseph was there in prison, while he's there in prison, y'all, the Lord was with him. Hear me today, wherever you're at, God is with you. Your pain, your struggle, your difficulties, your circumstances, things you don't understand, he's with you. He showed him kindness and granted him, there's that word again, say it with me, favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. God gave him success. Hear me for a second. God can do anything in your life regardless of where you're at. Stop looking for the end goal and start looking for what God wants you to do right now. God's blessing is not contingent upon your timing. When it comes to your dream, God doesn't just want to be your what, he wants his glory to be your why. When it comes to your dream, God doesn't just want to be what you dream about. He doesn't just want his plan to be what you dream for. He wants his glory to be why you dream at all. A life given and surrendered. Today is the first day of our 21 days of prayer. And we have resources out in the hallway to help you with 21 days of prayer. But our day one prayer focus that I want you to put somewhere Tape it to your kid's forehead so you can see it all the time, whatever. God, how can everything I do, everything I own, and everything I accomplish be surrendered to you so that you can use it for your own glory? That's our prayer focus for today. Isaiah 6.3 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. John Piper has this quote where he talks about God's glory. He says, the basic meaning of holy is separated from the common. Thus, the holiness of God is his infinite separation from all that is common or normal. It is what makes him the infinite one of a kind. Like the rarest and most perfect diamond in the world, God's uniqueness as the only God, his godness makes him infinitely valuable or holy. You see, does it matter if you're in the pit? Does it matter if you're in the palace? Does it matter if you're in the prison? Or as we're going to see in the weeks to come, doesn't matter if you have finally reached the position of the promise. Your dream stays alive when it's all about making sure that God gets the glory out of your life. When people look at you, they should say, wow, look how good God is. Jim Elliott, the one who gave his life in the story in the beginning, has this quote. He says it like this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain 
what he cannot lose. What is it that he's talking about there? Talking about our life. He is no fool who gives his life, the life that we can't even keep anyways. How many of you guys know I'm 32 years old and I know my body ain't built the same way it was when I was 22. We just climbed a mountain in Tennessee, y'all. I can tell you for a fact. Our bodies are decaying. Our life we cannot keep. So what Jim is saying there is, there's no fool that understands. It's not foolish to realize that we can give this life that we can't keep so that we can gain an eternal promise that we cannot lose. God's goodness in your life is ready. He is ready to take you everywhere and do everything in your life that he has given you the dream for. If you make the commitment to say, God, no matter what you give me, you'll always be first and your glory will always have my full attention. I'll glorify you with my life. I'll glorify you with my story and I will glorify you with my dream because you're good. How many of you know he's good today? Amen. Let's pray. God, we just thank you today. We thank you that you're good to us. God, even in the pit, even in the prison, your goodness still remains. And so we give you our life. We give you our dream. Let your glory be the reason why we dream. We surrender to you in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you need God to meet you right where you're at. You need a new beginning. You need a fresh start. See, the beauty is, is that when Jesus went to the cross and he gave his life there, he paid for the sins. And he says, all we have to do is confess with our mouth, believe in our heart. In other words, all we have to do is put our faith in him that when he went to the cross, he paid for our sins. And because of that, he gives us a fresh start. He gives us a new beginning. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, all it has passed away, all becomes new. Now we are a new creation. And so if today you need the old things to pass away and you need a new beginning, you're ready for that clean slate. If you're here today with no one looking around and your eyes closed, I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out. We just wanna pray for you today. You're ready for Jesus to give you a fresh start. If that's you, right where you sit, you say, Brad, that's me. Would you just raise your hand? Say, that's me. I just, I need God to give me a fresh start. Awesome, yes. Once you put your hand up, you can put it down. Like I said, we're not here to embarrass you. We just want to pray for you. Are there more that says, that's me, Brad. I'm, I'm ready for Jesus to give me a new beginning. Awesome, yes. Maybe you're watching us online and you want to join those that have raised their hand here today. And you're saying, that's me, Brad. I, I, need, I need Jesus to make everything new again. And I'm ready to give him my life. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer together. Now, this prayer doesn't make you saved. Your faith in Jesus alone makes you saved. But we want to declare with our mouth. We want to give words to the actions of our heart that says, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And so we're going to pray this prayer together. And the whole church is going to pray it with you. So you're not praying by yourself. So just repeat after me. All right. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive you my sins. Forgive you my wrongs. Make me brand new. I believe that you died on the cross, that you paid for my sins, and that you rose again three days later. 
through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I give you my life. Make me a new creation. Give me a fresh start and help me dream again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, can we put our hands together for all those that pray that, perhaps for the first time, and we celebrate with you. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at transformationchurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.